This episode was brought to you by State Farm. Buying a house in 2024 can be something extremely joyful, but also extremely stressful when you think about all the paperwork that you have to file. But like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who care to help you file a claim or find the coverage for the things that you want to protect. After an accident, you may be worried. Who do I call? What do you do next? I drive peacefully knowing that I have people who have my back. In reality, finding good insurance doesn't have to be something that is complicated to you. State Farm has options to fit your unique needs, which means you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, or reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hola, I'm Claudia Romo Edelman. And I'm Cynthia Kleinbaum-Milner. And this is a podcast a la Latina. The playbook to succeed being your authentic self. In this episode, we interviewed Bea Perez, the Chief Communication Officer and Chief Sustainability Officer of Coca-Cola. Here are her three main takeaways. Number one, learn to take educated risks by rejecting your first thoughts not getting caught up in the details and asking for help before making a decision. Number two, invest in learning how your business works, even if it means taking a step back or even a pay cut. And number three, the importance of protecting your reputation and building trust by staying authentic to yourself. All of that and more here. Stay tuned. A La Latina is proudly presented by MoneyLion. Join the millions of Americans just like you who use MoneyLion to help reach their American dream. Hola, welcome to the podcast A La Latina. The playbook to succeed being your authentic self. Today I'm excited. We have an incredible guest, Bea Perez. Get ready. I'm going to make the introduction. And this is a long introduction from someone very accomplished. Okay, get ready. She's the Chief Communication, Sustainability and Strategic Partnerships Officer for the Coca-Cola Company. She leads commitments to global leadership in the areas of environmental, social and governance, as well as global external and internal communications, global brand public relations, financial communications and leadership communications. She also leads the strategic direction and business performance for the company's retail, licensing and attractions portfolio of assets. She is the chair of the Coca-Cola Foundation. Yes, the company's global philanthropic arm. She's a member of the Board of Trustees of Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, and the Coca-Cola Scholars Foundation. A public director of Prime America and WW Granger, Inc. Welcome, Bea. It's such a pleasure having you here. You're a true trailblazer, a role model, and an inspiration for yeah. everyone, including me. Thank, thank you, you for Claudia. being here. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you, Cynthia. So, I love being here with both of you. So, thank you so much. Absolutely. Yes. So, Bea, we want to start... At the beginning, can you tell us about how you grew up, 
the circumstances in which you were raised and if you can trace any of your current working values to that or bringing that would be great for sure. our audience. So I feel fortunate. I was raised by a very powerful Latina in her own right. Her name is Sylvia Rodriguez. Um, my mother was someone who was 15 years old, had to leave her country and leave everything behind. She's from Cuba. And when she left, her family was split. And so she found herself in Spain and really had to, back then, no mobile phones, right? So she had to hitchhike and find her way to her family. And being a Latina, she was resourceful. Before she left Cuba, she took her jacket, ripped the lining, put jewelry in so she could sell pieces of jewelry around the way in order to be able to feed herself, get a place to sleep. And ultimately, she found her family. And when she found them, she spent a couple years there in Spain, and that's where she met my father. They got married. They wanted to come to the United States because she was split from her mother, from her brothers, and they were in the United States. And so she really wanted to reconnect with the entire family. And so that's what she did. She said, I'm raising my daughters right here in the United States of America, and they're going to live the American dream. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned from her, because fast forward, she got a fellowship at the White House. She started a business. And so I learned a couple of things. I learned, first of all, never complain. My life will never be as hard as leaving your country at the age of 15 and having to find a family and rebuild and start over. But also the values of really respecting where people are coming from and getting to know people, not just on the surface, but really building good relationships where you understand the whole person and what they're about and always being honest. She would say, when I left my country, there were only two things I had. I had my education and I had my reputation, I had my word. If I told someone I was gonna do something, then I had to deliver it because that was actually really important because otherwise, how would they trust me? And so I learned that from my mother and I feel like at work, that is really important as well. That's great. Shout out to her mom. Thank you. That's great. And to all of us. And, and who doesn't have a Latina mother that doesn't tell you, and probably will start doing that to our kids, do not complain, you don't know how hard I had it, and blah, 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 like all yes. of us, and the ability to have to compliment and complain at the same time, just like criticize, not complain, like compliment. And, and, <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. But I do want to address this. I mean, like, how did you manage to stand out? Yeah, so through a lot of help and asking a lot of questions, but also going back to what my mother taught me, which is, you also can't be afraid to fail. What do you have to lose, right? It can never be that bad. It's not like I have to leave my country if I fail. I, have to, I might leave a job, right? Or the job might leave me, but I would learn something. And so for me, it was trying to understand who was I working with? Was I able to contribute and was I learning? And so for me, it was very interesting. I started at a very entry-level role and it was Hispanic marketing. And so I started in Hispanic marketing then I got asked to go up through brand management. I hit a point. So wait, wait, you're saying you started in Hispanic marketing. marketing. Yes, I worked for Lionel Sosa, so for Sosa. Yes. And so he had the Coca-Cola account. And then I don't know if you recall, his business was then bought and it became mm -hmm. DMBNB, mm -hmm. Ernest Bromley, Al Aguilar. And so I was really working for them on the Coca-Cola business when I first started. And then Coca-Cola recognized some of the work that I'd been doing and asked me to move into brand management. Mm -hmm. And so then I got into Coca-Cola and I was working with them as a partnership in Coke, now as a Coke employee. And I hit a certain level where my career was going up. I was about to be promoted to brand director and I was going, going. And someone stopped me. His name was Gary. He stopped me in a hallway. He was a top operator. And he said he'd been watching. He'd seen me in meetings. He said I asked questions. He said every now and then I wasn't afraid to say what I thought about someone's plan, but everyone would look and be like, who are you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, he said he noticed that. So he came by. It was really my hallway cubicle. That's where I sat at the time. And he said, I want to take you to lunch. 
And he told me a story over lunch. He said, you know, companies can be like a merry-go-round. You can go around, you can go up and down on the carousel, have a fantastic career. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. He said, or you could choose to operate the merry-go-round. He said, but that requires is you have to get off the horse, you have to have a point of view, and you have to do things that you're going to learn from. He said, and you won't always be popular. He said, and so there's some risk with that. Then he offered me a job, and I was really interested. It was in operations. I'd never done operations. I was like, operations? Coming from brand marketing to operations? Why would I want to do that? But it was because he said, you will never actually sit in the C-suite unless you learn the arithmetic of the business. Yeah. And so I actually went to talk to him some more. I found out that the job was actually two pay grades down because mm. I couldn't start an operation even laterally because I didn't know it. So I actually had to look at the entry point in operations. And I remember the other thing he said to me. He said, you will learn. You will never look back. And he said, when you come out of operations, you're going to leapfrog most of your peers. And he was right. So I spent several years with him. I rotated through two different bottling companies. I looked worked in different geographies. I learned how the business works. When I came back in to run sports and entertainment marketing back in, the, in that area, there was an opening. It was really interesting. That was actually three job rates up from where I had been. And he said, you need to go and interview for this. You're going to get it. The difference in the interview that I was told why I did get that job was because I could actually speak to the business benefits in taking our sports sponsorships or entertainment partners and actually driving growth in the business. I would have never done that if I didn't take that step back and actually do the learning that I had to do in operations. And now today, I'm very grateful because I can sit down and have conversations with our operators, with our CFO, and I can speak the language of the business. I know how to make the money in the business or how it works. I also know how to you know, focus on risk mitigation because I also understand what the operators are facing every day in the local context. So I'm very grateful because for me, it was actually taking that step back to then leapfrog and go so much more forward, which I believe is why I'm sitting in the executive team today. And I have to tell you, this is something that is not the first time we yeah. hear. And it is the first time in my life after so many years <laughs> that I'm like even noticing or being conscious mm -hmm. about like how important it is to be able to the merry-go-round, to be the operator of the merry-go-round mm -hmm. and see like where do I want to be and take the risk of, we've heard lateral moves. Yeah. This is the first time I hear even going backwards as yes, a, as a way to go forward. And he forward. did cut my salary, just so you know. It <laughs> <laughs> happened, actually. have so much ground okay. to cover. You have been tasked with staying in, in the, like, it's like in the right place at the right time throughout your career in Coca-Cola, where you have been in the, like, crucial and strategic moments from the digital transformation or the marketing functions, sustainability, when it was not what it is today. Was that intentional? Was someone um, telling you what it just happened to be luck or were you looking at, you know, 10 years from now, what's going to happen? What's it gonna definitely be was not intentional. And so, so I tend to think of my career in terms of a lattice. So most people talk ladder straight up, climb up, but you can also fall quickly back down, right? My career has been, well, I'm over here and then I go this way down the lattice to actually learn something, which then actually pulls me sometimes way up here. And then sometimes I kind of come back on the other side and go down a little bit and go lateral and go back up. And so, yes, my career makes no sense, right? I've been in Hispanic marketing, brand management, field operations, sports entertainment, digital marketing, sustainability, now communications, foundation, right? It doesn't all seem to fit together. However, what 
I was very fortunate as I had that Gary, my mentor, who actually, you know, and he hated that word. He's like, I'm not your mentor. I just told you to take a demotion and I cut your pay and gave you this opportunity. But he was the one who would really push me and be truthful about what it takes to get to the CEO. You have to know operations. You have to know how the bottling system works. You have to know how our customers work. You have to understand the local context. And then it was interesting. He did something that is also unusual. He introduced me to the CFO at the time, so there, another Gary. And he said, I've asked Gary to mentor you and to get you on the radar so you can meet more people. And I thought I had a pretty good network of people. But what I didn't realize is my network was more around me and sort of where I spent my time. My network was not going to be in the financial community or even in the C-suite at that point. Our company was moving into sustainability. We'd already been doing the work for many years, but not formulated into the business. And so the current chairman and CEO at the time, Mutar Kent, wanted to integrate sustainability to the business and put discipline. When he realized that I understood how to build strategic plans, that I actually understood how to talk to the bottlers, where most of the work would be delivered, he called me for a meeting. And um, I thought he was calling me about Coke Zero because I had also launched Coke Zero. So I come in with all my storyboards, the new ad campaign. I'm ready to have a different conversation. He looks at me like this. He said, what is all of that? I said, did you call me for Coke Zero? And he said, no. It's like, leave all that outside. Come sit down. And he said, well, what I'd like to do is ask you to be the first chief sustainability officer of the Coca-Cola company. And I, I started to laugh and I said, what? What even is that? I didn't, I didn't really know what he meant. I said, we don't have one of those. And he said, no, we're going to create it. And he said, I've been watching your marketing. Everything you do is Diet Coke Heart Health, National Parks Programs. He said, everything you do in marketing is about giving back. And he said, what I've realized is that the company needs to get smarter about our water use, packaging, how we think of women's empowerment. He said, you're the person who can build the plan. And he said, and you're going to hire really smart people who will know all the different areas. And then you're going to integrate this to the business. And he said, because you have credibility with the system. And that was sort of, you know, my eyes got really big. And I said, this is pretty exciting. Now, very interesting, too. This is another lesson within a lesson. He said, so are you in and do you want anything to do this role? And of course, I fell into the trap that a lot of women fall into. I said, you know, I'd be happy to have a great team. You know, I want to make sure that we have budgets. I want to make sure that you can maybe make some introductions. I want to learn a little bit. And he kept looking at me. He said, anything else? And I said, no. He goes, do me a favor. He goes, walk outside, spend 10 minutes in the hallway, think about it, then come back in and tell me what you really, really want to do this job. I walked outside, I was like, I don't know what he wants. What is he telling me without telling me? And, um, you know, his assistant, Michelle, at the time said, he's basically telling you to put your number down. Every guy who gets offered a job will ask for a bigger title and for more money. She was, that's what Mutar's trying to tell you without telling you. So I walked back in and I said, actually, to do this job, I want to make sure it is a chief sustainability officer, not just a VP. And I want to make sure I report to you. And I would like an increase in my salary. And then I was sweating. I was so nervous, you know, because I'd never really asked for that before. And he said, done. And he looked at me and he said, do you want to give me your number or do you want me to give you your number? And I had negotiated sports sponsorships. And I said, no, oh, no, you give me your number and we'll see if it makes sense. And then he laughed. He goes, okay, he goes, it'll be worth it. And he came back very fair. Made sure I had the chief title, made sure I had the seat at the table in the leadership meetings. And it was the first time I realized that actually part of his secret mission was he actually was the one who created 5 by 20, 5 million women by 2020. And so what I found is that right place, right time, but you have to say yes, right? You, so I could have said no, and I could have gone back to my marketing role, and it would have been very nice and easy, would have had another, whatever, 10-year career at Coca-Cola at that time. 
But, you know, this was new. I, I could have failed, right? You know, it could have all fallen apart or maybe the system might not have taken me seriously. I could have disappointed him. When he transitioned out and the new CEO came in, they could have abandoned the whole area. That's a choice. So what I realized is, is that while we're put in positions to have these opportunities, it's also up to us to say yes or no, and then to do something with those opportunities and to bring others with us. Absolutely. I love this story so much, and I hope you gave a finder's fee to the <laughs> executive assistant who oh, yes. gave you that insight. Just on salary, I just like, I want to, before we move on, because I think that we also have consistently heard in the podcast how complicated or how unequipped we are to understand how the negotiation of salary is. It's almost like a dance that you don't know if you're dancing bachata or salsa or cha-cha-cha <laughs> yes. or what is it? Who starts? How do you do it? What is the right way to do it? And how do you actually like as a boss seeing your team and your team of Latinas? Again, understanding how deep this pain point is, particularly for Latinas that are making it to level seven, level eight. Yes, that's right. So I think, first of all, you know, as people who've gone through this ourselves, we have to help others and coach and guide them. Because a lot of times when you're younger in your career, you get the sheet of paper, here's the job title, here's the salary, and you think it's non-negotiable because it's on a written sheet of paper or an email. So you think that's it. Or also because our mothers tell us, be thankful, be grateful. Yes, be grateful. Don't ask for more. And that is very much part of the Latina culture. And so what I learned through my Gary's was actually, those are just guidelines and you have the right to push. And Latinas also push. We're very passionate people. When we think something should be done or fixed, we push. And so I learned to take that in. It doesn't mean I'm any less nervous. I still am nervous to this day when I have to have that conversation about myself. But what I have found is the pride in actually helping the women on my team, the Latinas on my team, or even around the company, go in and know how to ask for more. And it's also saying why. What I've learned is that they also have to come in and say, this is why I want more. This is why I think I deserve it. And then not, and being relentless about it, but also being willing to walk away from the job if they don't get it. And by the way, usually if you walk away the first time, it's kind of like being at an open market negotiating out there for, but usually they call you back and they're like, no, 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 I, I want you, come back, come back. And then you end up getting at least met halfway. And so you have to know where is your halfway if there's a halfway you have to know what you really want and you also have to be willing to walk if you don't get it and that's yeah. really important now we're going to talk about taking educated risks you you've talked already about some of the risks you took what i want to ask you is more about any method any playbook that you have to decide this is a risk i'm willing to take <laughs> and maybe talk about risks you weren't willing to take So in my career, I've also learned, and there's little sayings, and I, I'm sure somebody else has come up with them, not me, but I say them. One is reject your first thought. So when I'm looking at my own playbook, I get very nervous. It's human nature. And so I don't let my physical body reaction, my bio reaction, make my decision. Because when I've been offered, you know, I, you know, when I was in marketing, I was actually offered to run NASCAR and I didn't know anything about it. I was so nervous. I was like, why would I do this? Or even sustainability. I was always nervous. And that would make me sometimes want to say no, because it's always easier to say no and just walk away than it is to say yes and do the hard journey. So reject my first thought. I reject it. I don't give the answer in the room. Just think about it. The other one is, I have another saying, don't major in the minors, right? Somebody else has said it before me. But for me, that's about don't get caught up in the little details. Like if someone's describing a job to you and you don't like everything about it, 
Think about what you want to create. What's the bigger vision? What's the bigger picture and how this connects? And then go and create it. Don't get so caught up in how someone else has done it or the little details. And then the other piece is knowing that you don't know everything. So ask for help. So when you're making these decisions, I don't know what salary ranges should be. I might not even know some of this, you know, these areas. So go and find the people who do and have the conversation. And so for me, I try to be very thoughtful about the process in advance and not let my emotional or physical body reaction make the decision. And then I try to get the data and then go have the conversation. And I also role play. So I role play with my kids. My kids probably think I'm crazy by now. Everything from before I present to the company board of directors to stakeholders, as when my kids were very young, I'd sit down and I'd say, they're young. They're going to let me know if it doesn't make sense to them. And then I'll work on it. And my son, Matthew, I remember when he was five years old, I would sit there and I was talking to him about a potential job. And um, he kept asking me all these questions. He's like, mom, why would you do that? That sounds terrible. Or that's not going to help anyone. Why would you do that? And very simple questions. You know, my daughter would say, well, is it going to be fun? You know, because she was younger. She was three years younger. Is that going to be fun, mom? You're going to have fun. Yeah. As they got older, they had more thoughtful questions they would even ask me. And they're still on my sounding board. So I go to my kids because since they don't know some of these areas, they're going to ask me whatever they think from their lenses. And that's a really important part of my process to look at, well, how big is this risk or not? Should I do this work? Will I actually have fun doing it? Will I like the people I'm working with? Will I make a difference? I'm at the age where I don't want to waste my time not making a difference, which is why I love the job that I have today, because I know that I actually have a company who wants to make a difference and it's aligned with my values. But those are some of the ways that I look at what's the real risk? How big is it? You know, and it's half the time you find it's not that big. And by the way, even if they offer you one title, you can create it and make it so much bigger than what they think it is. Is there anything that you have um, that you suggest companies should do to create inclusive environments, but also more on the Latinas themselves? Is yes. there any quality in the output or is there like excellence in the work that you have noticed being the boss of so many people that you're like, no, you have to really, we have to sharpen our pencil scene. Yeah, so I think as Latinas, we're very social, right? And so I think that, especially in a business where you're required to actually get to know customers and people, I think that's the piece that we need to really treasure and value because while that's a stereotype, it's also true that we are more social than some of our other colleagues that are not Latinas. And so how do we make sure that maybe we're in the operational roles that are customer facing? Mm-hmm. We're the ones now representing the company and being the brand ambassadors. How do we leverage that power of the fact that Latinas are very good presenters, right? You know, we're out there, we're passionate, you know. We like people, and that's something that's really true to our culture. And so how do we actually make that be a part of the brand? At Money Lion, we think money can buy happiness and that you deserve access to the same tricks, tips, and tools as the 1%. We want you to achieve your version of the American dream, so we built an app that can help you get there. From banking with no hidden fees to cash advances with zero interest or credit checks, Money Lion offers a suite of premium financial products that can help you make your everyday money decisions a whole lot easier. We even curated a network of content creators who can educate you how to invest, borrow, save, and earn like the pros. Ready to take control of your money life? Join the millions of Americans who use Money Lion every day by downloading the app today. ¿Estás listo para convertir tus mejores ideas en un negocio en línea exitoso? Te presentamos Shopify. 
Tal vez no lo sabías, pero nuestro podcast More Than Mummies es un negocio y lo empezamos por supuesto para desahogarnos y hablar sobre la maternidad, no para convertirnos en expertas de ventas y del e-commerce. Así que sí, necesitábamos ayuda para vender nuestro merch y poner en marcha nuestra tienda. ¿Y cómo suena con Shopify? Llegó otra venta. Shopify es la plataforma de comercio que está revolucionando millones de negocios en todo el mundo. Ya seas un emprendedor desde tu casa o desde donde sea, Shopify es la única herramienta que necesitas para iniciar, administrar y hacer crecer tu negocio sin dificultades. Con Shopify puedo gestionar pedidos, envíos y pagos desde cualquier lugar, brindándote toda la información y estadísticas de tus ventas al detalle. Regístrate para un periodo de prueba con tan solo un dólar al mes en shopify.com barra sonoro. Todo en minus Ve a Shopify.com barra sonoro para llevar tu negocio al siguiente nivel. Shopify.com barra sonoro. We want to talk a little bit about your involvement in Davos. How did you get invited? Can you tell us also about like your first experience? Yes. Okay. And I'm sure, Claudia, you have your own stories. I'm sure. Claudia's done a great job of bringing others into Davos. So my first invitation was when I became the chief sustainability officer. Mutar Kent said, and this was very interesting. My first experience, what I will say is that it was not easy because first of all, you're, you know, you want to wear your heels with your dress, but now you're wearing these really ugly boots and walking around in the ice and the snow. But while there were only a few women there that first year, what I found is that all the women sort of came together. There was a women's dinner and it was fantastic because... There were so few of us, we got to really know each other. And a lot of these women are the still same women who go, and now there's more, and it's grown. And now you can't even fit the women's dinner where it was the first year. It's quite spectacular. And now women are on the panels. You see 50, 50% of the presenters are women. You have people like Claudia bringing other women in who maybe are not in the C-suite but are emerging in the C-suite. And so for me, what I've seen is a huge change over this last 10, 12 years of Davos that I've been to. But the first year was really different from the one I went to last year, right? It just, it continued to improve and change. And I think that took the organization to change it, but also it's because women have progressed into C-suites and we're more visible. And there's, you know, there were more female CEOs at one point. And so they were getting into the invitations as well. Let's get a deeper dive into identity. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a good, like, on to being Latina. And we've noticed um, a couple of people, like, taking off their masks In a, in a faster pace than before. Mm -hmm. Have you had to dial down on your Latinidad? Was there any a time in which you wanted to not be Latina so that you can be, you know, like getting into the corporate ladder faster? So, I mean, I think there's always moments, right? And it wasn't about getting on the corporate ladder, but I remember a few moments when I was working in sports marketing and I was negotiating all the sponsorships for the company. And I looked in the room and in the room, you know, it was all men over the age, a certain age, you know, all Caucasian. And I thought, are they going to take me seriously? It wasn't just because I was Latina. It was also because I was, oh, so it was a Latin woman. And I thought, are they going to take me seriously? I also was probably about 15 years younger than most of them. And that really concerned me as well, because I thought they're also going to think I'm too young to know what I'm doing. So what I did very quickly there, I had already been in the operational role. I went very quickly into, you know, speaking like a man, right? Using a lot of male terms, um, trying to talk about only the numbers. And it was interesting. The more I was doing that, the more I was losing them. And I was just like, oh, wow, this wow. meeting is not going well. And here I was the only Coke person in the room. I needed to walk out with a deal. And I was thinking, this is just going downhill. So one of the guys took a break. He goes, well, I need to go and get a snack. So we're going to take a break, 15 minutes. 
And then one of the other guys in the room actually came over to me and he said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, look, he goes, I'm on the other side. I don't care if we have a deal or not. And if we get a deal, it's going to be on our terms. However, he goes, you are just tanking. And he said, he goes, it's like you're putting on a show. He goes, I don't know what show you're putting on. He said, but I've seen you in other forums. I've never seen you behave this way. And he said, why don't you actually tell us the real story here? Why don't you talk to us the way you normally talk? I was like, oh, I can do that. So we took a break, came back, and then I just became me again. And I talk with my hands. You know, I sometimes stand up. So I, I make jokes every now and then. And um, I went quickly back into that because this guy almost gave me permission to be myself. And once I did that, we got a fair deal. I won't say I got everything. They didn't get everything. But we were laughing, talk, and I still keep in touch with some of these people. I just had lunch with one of them this week here in New York. And um, and we still laugh about that moment because they're like, you were just like so serious. You, you were talking to us like, you know. And they said, and we knew it was not you. And we're like, who is she, you know? Yeah. So I have found that actually we, we can't, we have to be ourselves. We have to be the Latinas that we are. And we have to, and even if you're not Latina, be yourself is the whole point of this story, which is you can't be someone you're not in a room because people will figure it out even if they don't know you. They knew something was wrong. They knew that I was acting out of character even if I barely knew these people. And so I think it's really important for when people are in a room with you to be yourself, even if you're not perfect. It doesn't matter. But 76% of Latinos pretend they're not in the corporate well, and place. And we need to help them change that. We need to actually put the visibility around why that's not a good thing because authenticity is actually more important than acting. Unless you're an actor, right? If you're an actor, go act, right? No, in corporations. Right? I mean, in corporations, if you're not your authentic self, if you're not actually being who you are, people sniff that out and then they don't build trust. They think that, well, if she's lying to me in the room by pretending to be someone she's not, what else is she lying to me about? And so I think to have credibility, to have trust, we have to be ourselves. And if the other people don't accept ourselves, well, then that's their loss. That, I mean, cut the cord, move on. Then why would you do business with them anyway? That's what the podcast is about. I was, I sent you a text I got from a friend from business school who said, I love your podcast. I listened to the first episode. I'm so glad you are being your authentic self. I'm like, I mean, can you imagine trying to do this and not be our authentic <laughs> self? Like it would be the worst two hours of my week trying to yes. like pretend to be someone else so yes that's right okay we're gonna take a, a trip down memory lane which advice would you like to give to Bea when she was 30 years old the advice I would say is that learn as much as you can and don't be afraid to live in different parts of the world and so while I thought I was a learner and taking some of these you know lattice moves was a part of a learning journey I was learning only the Coca-Cola business, but not really brushing up on some future skills. And so digital literacy, for example, right? The whole digital space was just emerging back then. And while I was doing some things inside of my business, I had a very superficial understanding of the space. And today, look at it today. And so you're never too old to learn, never too young to learn, and you should always learn outside of your own area. It makes you more interesting, and also it can help you in the future at the same time. And just really making sure that you're starting to experience the world. So I wish I had lived in more countries when I was younger. I wish. I was fortunate through Coke to live in China. I lived in Mexico, lived in Brazil. Very fortunate. I wish I lived in 20 more countries. And so I would say do as much as you can if you're in a company that gives you that opportunity. It's really eye-opening. 
And let's go to the last question of the, the podcast. The last question is, who else should we have in our podcast? You actually mentioned someone. Um, we should take note of her. Is there anyone else that you yeah. would like yeah, to... Yeah, so besides Alba Balin, who's spectacular at Coca-Cola and an up-and-comer, I'd say someone who is already in a fabulous job over at Disney is Rita Ferro, F-E-R-R-O, and she is spectacular. She and I sit on the board of the Hispanic Scholarship Fund. She runs all of the media, sports, entertainment for Disney. She gives back. She is an incredible Latina. She has a daughter as well who's an up-and-comer in university. But, I mean, really someone who I think is, I think would contribute a lot and maybe, you know, teach a lot of the younger folks a lot as well. And it's tougher. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we need. Trailblazers like you that can inspire us, but also gives us exactly the nuggets of wisdom that we need so that we can have a playbook that allows younger Latinas to make it in half the time. Thank you. Bea, this was great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's important to inspire the future generations to be able to lead a la Latina. This podcast was proudly produced by Malka Media. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need whatever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts.